0: Vox Quick Hits.
1: This is Worldly, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Zach Beecham here with Jen Williams and Alex Ward. Uh, We want to talk to you guys about Russia. Where there is a massive wave of protests that hit the country last weekend, sparked by the arrest of Alexei Navalny, the leading anti-Putin dissident. Uh, One thing that I think is remarkable about Navalny as a figure and how he's been able to galvanize such massive numbers of people against a repressive authoritarian government like Putin's uh, is that he's a real master of the informational ecosystem, right? He has gotten a lot of people to pay attention to himself and to problems with the Putin government by posting very sort of specific pointed videos about corruption in the Russian government and taking advantage of the fact that... The Putin regime doesn't have the kind of control over the informational space that the Chinese government does and getting its message out uh, on on regular Internet channels in ways that uh, Putin can't seem to stop. Right, Alex, I believe you uh, wrote a story about this uh, a little bit ago that you found particularly entertaining.
0: Yeah, this is a couple of years back. I think it was 2017 where, um, you know, official Russian state channels weren't allowing any of Navalny's anti-Putin, anti-corruption videos to go on. And so he found a workaround. He uploaded it to Pornhub, um, which is basically like a YouTube service, but for porn um, and you know I, I remember calling the vice president of, of Pornhub and saying like is this a political statement on your end they go no 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 anyone can upload content for our viewers to enjoy and Navalny was sure that someone would find it because Pornhub is pretty popular and sure enough um, they did and, and and then it became a viral sensation uh, and of course people that were logging on to Pornhub just said oh I'm doing it for Russian politics um,
2: right but, like reading Playboy for the articles right
0: no question yeah a lot of a lot of good stuff <laughs> I, I watch Pornhub for the of Russian dissidents. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, it, it was somewhat a smart move and, and it was uh, because now you're seeing in Russia, for example, like as the protests of, of last weekend went on, a lot of people got their information. By some estimates, more people got their information from independent channels than the state-run RT. So it looks like there is um, not only hunger for, you know, not state-sponsored, state-funded media in Russia, um, but also, um, just hunger for finding out their own information and there's an ability to do so. And so it is smart for Navalny to move in that direction. And, uh, clearly he's finding an audience.
2: Yeah. I think one thing to note here is that Putin and and the Kremlin are, are not unaware of this fact, right? And they are actually trying really hard to figure out ways to gain more control over, you know, the internet space, cyberspace, if you will. Uh, in you know in the way that China has this kind of dominance over the kind of information you know ecosphere, so you know Russia the government's trying to create this this national internal internet called Runet, and over the the recent holidays the government actually did this like multi day test of it to see if the country's online infrastructure could actually survive even if it was disconnected from the rest of the world. So they're literally trying to create the, their own internal internet that is cut off from. The global internet. They're also investing two billion rubles, that's like thirty-two million dollars in the U.S. Uh, in this like Russian Wikipedia alternative. So Putin is very much aware of the ability of dissidents like Navalny and you know just just citizens being able to access information in a way that challenges the regime's control of narrative. Uh, and of the the political story of the day. And so they're trying very hard to disrupt that and control it. But they don't have the ability to quite do that yet. They're not there yet. And so that's why, again, we're seeing these kind of mass protests still being able to be kind of organized. I mean, they're trying to figure out how to ban VPNs, you know, virtual private networks, ways that you can get around Internet censorship. They banned, you know, they passed a law um, trying to ban all kinds of ways to get around, you know, internet blockades. And so it, it, it's a really big deal that the Kremlin is aware of. And I think these protests show a large part why. You
1: know, this is this is a very uh, interesting and difficult problem uh, for authoritarian governments. Right now, China's big enough that they can do whatever they want, basically, in terms of their economy. But when you... Restrict access to the internet, and you try to gum up the works in terms of the informational ecosystem. You do make your country not only like less attractive to live in, but also you limit possibilities for innovation and networking with other countries. Uh, in general, I like I don't I can't point to any quantitative study that says shutting up your internet is bad for the economy, but it would be wildly implausible to say that it isn't, right? Given how important the internet is to modern commerce, science, and and run down the list of really just any part of modern society, right? You want to have an open internet to some degree to allow your citizens to participate in like really important economically and socially productive activities. But like that same flow of information also enables anti-government organizing. And like the way that a lot of of regimes manage this is by allowing a free internet but also taking advantage of the surveillance capabilities that are created by a free internet right if people are organizing on facebook or writing anti-government things on facebook well facebook requires you to use your real name or at least some name people get around this temporarily but you need to use a name so it'd be very easy to identify people on Facebook, arrest them and so on, uh, without actually shutting off access to Facebook. And that's what we see in a lot of countries that aren't like China and trying to shut up the internet in this case. But that's not to say that balancing act is always going to work. And it seems like what's happening right now is that, at least for the time being, The Russian government's ability to misinform online, which is considerable, Uh, the Russian state is very, very, very good at information ops, as, as anyone who has been paying attention to American politics since 2016 can attest to um they don't seem to be doing a good enough job to stop the massive groundswell and support for navalny and his ability to get his message out on non-traditional channels will this be enough to topple the russian government like that that's not the kind of thing that i'm suggesting but my guess more is that at the very least the situation there will not be stable that we're going to start seeing waves of protests for a considerable amount of time that will outstrip the Russian government's ability to repress them entirely through the the more brutal tactics that they've been employing and heavy handed stuff like beating protesters that we've seen in the past week. Now, if you're interested in what's going on in Russia and in these sort of truly seismic protests, you should check out our full episode on the topic where we get in-depth on everything from what Alexei Navalny actually believes to what would the Putin government do if the protests get bigger and and whether or not it was a strategic mistake to try to assassinate and arrest him in the first place, as they've done. Uh, You can check this out on anywhere you get your podcast, really, any platform, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever. Check out Worldly. That's W-O-R-L-D. D L Y on any of those platforms. And you can hear more of us talking about Russia.